All right, man. All right, you count it down. I'm ready. All right, cool. Oh, I'm choking down a protein. I just saw that. I was trying to figure out what you had going on. What are you munching? So Quest makes this really cool line of like different like protein treats. Yeah. So I found that they have protein pop tarts. Wow. I yeah. never heard of that. Protein pop tarts. I don't know what they're made of, count? but it's like who cares? What's the sugar? Uh, the, the sugar count's fairly low. For I mean, most of the sugar is just in the frosting. Mm-hmm. Then they have some sort of preserve in the middle, and then the breading or whatever is made of like protein, mm-hmm. like vanilla whey protein, and, and some sort of binder. Bro, it's fucking delicious. When it comes to that, but for like a box, for like a box of six of them though, it's like nine bucks. So of course, it's like of course, you know what I mean. You got to pick And then uh, I also really bought with that protein. Those. I also bought protein peanut butter cups from Quest. You're all in on the quest right now. Um, like, well, dude, they had some good shit. I couldn't pass it up. I had to try it. Here's my uh, here's my thing with any protein now, because you know me, I'll I'll do fucking grocery outlet protein. I don't give a fuck. Is it gonna make me gassy? Is it gonna give me wet farts? If it if I oh, can, dude. bro, if I can avoid that, I'll I'll compensate for taste. Like the taste isn't great. The taste is is okay. It's a little mama made, but I could I could spice it up. But I'm not gassy because, bro. Some of these like they just get, they just give you like the Premier Protein can is awesome. The Premier Protein powder, I'm just like wet farting everywhere. It's disgusting. Agreed. I, I a, go to Costco. It's weird, bro. And that's where I hit my pro, my Premier Protein up is at Costco because they have the great cans, deals. Getting... Bro, the cans I'll fuck those up. The bottle little yeah. bottles all day. But once I Hell switch yeah. to that powder, because I'm like, oh, they must go hand in hand. If the cans and the and the plastic Hell no. in the met, bro, a completely different one. So the the the, the and we listen, we do this all the time, and we should have hit record on this already. But this that uh what's the one the the super six or the that what did they sell at the Walmart that we fucking shit on? Yeah, that's, I think it's what it, uh, super brother, six or brother, six dude, star. That, yeah, six star. brother, that protein, I will be fucking cheesing ass like you would not believe. There's just some I gotta stay away from. Like I know, like the taste is great, the consistency is awesome, but you know what is a good a really good one for me? That stacker, what? that old school stacker too, bro. I can get that, nice. bro. I can get the forty five grams, or like I can do a, a two scooper and a, you know forty five fucking gram, or you know I say scoop and a half, forty five gram shake, a protein and a fucking. I'm not gassy, I'm not farty. Now I got to the line if I try to do two of those in one day. Now I might be pushing the line, but if I could fucking. So go, go. I got turned on to a protein brand. It's called Carnivore. Oh, and it's made. And it's made up of like meat products. Okay. It's something Bro. like on the label. I can't remember what the label says, but it's like something like two hundred times the strength of like a steak. Wow. This has to but be yet, It is expensive. It's pretty expensive. Well, you know what? Honestly, I guess it's not like uh, if you get the big five if you get the five and a half uh gallon tub. Yeah. Uh, it's about 50 bucks. Yeah, 40, 50 bucks. Yeah, so you know yeah it's about 45, 50 bucks. It's it's about on par with most of the other stuff, I guess, like average price. But well, man, not, it, I'm fucking with it that. tastes good, too. I'm fucking I with mean, that Dynamax right like now. Dynamax, yeah. but that Dynamax, oh, you can dude. get at Walmart, and it's, I mean, it's the not fruity, cheap. The fruity cocoa pebble 100%, shit? 100%, you already know that's what I'm thinking. Oh, uh, yeah. Up. I can do a My scoop and a half right of that. I can do a scoop and a half of that. 
spice it up with a little this, spice it up with a little that, and then get a ha- a big handful of fucking spinach, and it all blends perfectly. It all blends perfectly. Yeah. And I got no, and it's not lumpy. Oh, I gotta run my shit, my fucking my shit again. You know what I mean? My blender again. It's really good. All right, we just went. We could. We that was five minutes yeah. of material. That, all right, here we go. We're gonna three two. Go ahead. We're a three three two one. This is that other sports show. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Your favorite, mostly unknown co-host, Jesse Thomas with you today. Jason Valdez over here. Jay, say hi. What's up? We're the Matt Cardona's of the podcast. We just have every every belt, but the Impact belt, you know, the AEW belt, those big prominent ones we don't have. But those other ones... We got them all locked down. No, we're the locked we're, down. We're the FTR of those belts. There's another That's one. Fair, I got to it. I love it. I love it. Just- You're with us today on that other sports show. You can find us on Spotify yes. podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You of course can listen to the Spotify podcasters version, which is the same. Basically, just transfers over. And as always, helping promote us and and possibly still up on their page, Variety Sports Network based out of St. Louis, Missouri, at Variety underscore sports underscore on Twitter. Folks, today we have a we have a pretty big lineup, actually. So we had UFC 293 last weekend, which ended up with a few surprises, right? So we're going to talk about those surprises, obviously. We're not going to handle the whole car, but we'll talk about the, the good shit, right? And then we also have UFC Fight Night with uh, uh, Alexa Grasso defending her championship against Antonio Shevchenko this weekend. So it's coming up soon. We got a couple fights on that card that we will want to get into a little bit, deep dive a little tiny bit. Uh, we are not going to submarine dive looking for the Titanic dive, but we'll give we'll you touch some on it. We'll give you some winners, folks. We are a huge fan of sports betting, okay? So, folks, if you've listened to the show for long enough, we're finally going to admit it. We are trying to purposely make you money on this show. We are not a sports gambling podcast, but we will definitely give you over-unders, winners, losers, shit like that to try to help you make a little quiche. And that's what we do here. We also, in the lineup, of course... We'll run down winners and losers, and uh, based on uh, on on a couple of different gambling sites, thelines.com. That's what we use. Thelines.com. They have MGM. They've got all the big betting sites. We will go through there, and we'll give you winners and losers from week two, while also possibly giving you a little information and feedback from each team's week one action, which saw some pretty big shit. And if you are a fantasy football guy, we don't really deep dive into fantasy football ba- at all, really. Service here. But, but if you are a fantasy footballer, like Jason and I both are, I know that week one was some underwhelming shit. Like, yeah. p- players... 
this whole like let's not play preseason game thing is really starting to wear on some guys, I think, because they there were some players one million percent that's that did not look prepared for week one. But we'll get into that soon. Jay, what are your thoughts, man? Give me some stuff. All right, kicking the can around here. Want to hit the regulars? Shout out Smash Squad MMA. Shout out Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports. Thank you for supporting us, boys. I would love to talk about, once again, all the fun stuff happening in pro wrestling, but we'll save that for another week. I would love to talk about another person who has supported the show, Cole the Hammer. Didn't have the best performance at Dana White Contender Series. Hoping we see him back at some time soon because they always need good heavyweights. Uh, would I would love to talk about Jorge Masvidal's venture into like a weird hybrid of there was like bare knuckle fighting. I think there was like two boxing. Cool. There was a bunch of weird shit. Jesse, you and I would bet if we combined our fights that we've consumed, it's probably somewhere in the tens of thousands with us being older gentlemen. You can take it all the way back to me remembering watching Sugar Ray Leonard as a child and Mike Tyson as a you know, the first real boxer that I fell in love with as a child. But uh, there's probably been two or three fights in the history of me turning a fight off and me going, I'm good. Uh, one of them happened this weekend during that Jorge Masvidal event. And it was Cain Velasquez. But, no, I'm sorry. Jesus Christ. Go ahead and edit that right out, Jess, or just leave it. Whatever. It was Junior Dos Santos <laughs> taking on yes. Fabricio Verdum. Now, Shout out our old school fans of combat sports who remember Fabricio Overdoom is the first guy to beat Fedor. That's always what I'll remember him as. I don't know if I'll remember him as much as like a UFC champion or the dude that lost to Steve Bay or anything like that. But there was a moment in this bare knuckle fight, Jess, where Verdoom lost the eyelid or half of an eyelid, and it was just <laughs> so disgusting to me that I questioned myself as a combat sports fan. I questioned myself as just a human being and uh, I had to I had to turn it off, Jess. And now, thankfully, That's it was rough. free on YouTube. It was free on YouTube. <laughs> so, Shay, what Jorge Masvidal did wrong was he could not sell a ticket to that event. What he did right was he put it on UFC for free because I guarantee you that it got a lot of streams and it had a lot of made a lot of waves Friday night, if you will, Jess. Do you have any thoughts on this fight, or, or should we just keep it moving to the main card of the UFC? With I just, just want to say, God bless the original BMF belt holder, Jorge Masvidal, putting on the show for free, knowing he ain't going to sell shit with this card, even though he's got some names on the card. I mean, you're talking about a couple of 40-plus-year-old men in there who are war-torn, battle-torn guys. Mm -hmm. And you know what, though? Here's the thing. Uh, I thought it would be interesting because you still have the MMA uh, aspect of it, right? Like, there's still ground fighting. There's, you know, still there possible grappling, submissions. But these dudes For, Fabricio Verdum is still well-known and regarded as one of the top Brazilian jiu-jitsu artists in the world. So there's always the chance that he was able to get a takedown and get some type of submission on, on uh, JDS. But you know what? JDS did this. He came in and said, I'm just going to be simply in better shape. The TRT is kicking in, baby. Yeah. I'm going to come in there. I, I'm going to roll this out at the press conference. Oh, like, with the I'm going to roll this guy. They're like, and hydrate then, and take this. 
exactly. Hydrate, take the TRT, shove that shit in, in every orifice of your body. Let's get it done. Let's let me fight like I'm 30 years old for one night this year. That's it. All I need is one. Up. He just needed one. He just needed a quick payday. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. And he did. And here's the thing. Fabrizio Verdum, never known as a hands guy, right? He's not really a striker. I think, I think Jess, I was thinking about this as we were talking. He was initially known before the dude that beat Fedor as, in pride, Mirko Krokrop's uh, jujitsu guy. Do you yeah. remember that, Jess? Yeah. And so at some point, I think in the la- in the latter part of his UFC career, it became like, oh, he's a jujitsu guy who could knock you out. But, I mean, you would hope any heavyweight could knock you out. Well, yeah, anybody over 240 pounds, you would hope, has some, some go, strength in the hands. Ahead, Jess, continue. But but JDS throughout his entirety of his career has been known as a knockout artist. This guy has has dynamite in his hands, and you know what? He hit Fabricio and blew up the guy's eyeball. So Stop I mean, they, I mean, it. when when you're literally bare knuckle fighting, shit can get wild, and when you get your eyeball exploded, it's hard to continue. <laughs> Especially when you know, JDS had him on the ground a couple times. You would think that Fabricio would scramble a little bit, but I think that eyeball thing was just fucking him up. So, uh, you know what? Entertaining fight. I thought it was entertaining. I enjoyed it for what it was. Just a couple old guys reliving some some youthful experience. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately and for Fabricio, and, he, and they get paid. We're, on this show, you'll hear it a thousand times. We are all about athletes getting paid. So they both got paid. Jorge Masvidal did the he did the BMF thing. He he put that motherfucker up on YouTube for free. He said just everybody watch this shit. And let's see. You're gonna you know, steal it anyway. Like. Might as well just put it up for free. It gets so boom, there it goes. That's the, the that's my thoughts on that stuff. All right, let's keep it moving. I have the main card up. I don't want to touch on Tyson Pedro or Justin Tafa, even though we were right on those fights. I do want to touch on these last three fights. Manel Cape Cape. I might be saying his name wrong. Felipe Dos Santos. We jokingly talked about the Shootbox Southeast, and we were trying to figure out what's up with Shootbox Southeast and Diego Lima. This man was looking like a prime Shootbox fighter. This Felipe Dos Santos learned knew how to scrap. He was there were a lot of let's bang bro moments in this fight, and he was on the wrong end of a lot of them. I did think he won the third round. But I do want to say two things. I want to give this guy a lot of credit. I'm interested in seeing who else this camp can pump out. And this is one of those. I found out after the fact. I heard this guy took this fight on short notice. So this is one of those. And we talk about it all the time, Jess. You take a fight on short notice. It's your first fight in the UFC. That's an absolute win-win because you have a fight like that, which was an absolute banger. Uh, Any uh, thoughts on this fight, Jess? Yeah, hundred percent. When you when you, uh, I agree with you. Uh, when you take a, a fight on short notice in the UFC, you're doing them a favor. And typically, if you perform well, even in a loss, they they return that favor. I, I expect to see Felipe Dos Santos back in a UFC cage at some point in time. Uh, obviously, undercard type shit, but whatever, it doesn't matter. He put on a performance. Uh, shout out to South uh, to Shoot a Box Southeast, man. Those guys, uh, they sent a winner in. into the, the ring. Put uh, all Manel their fighters Cape. on. Put all their fighters on the contender series. 
Right? Manel, let's let's have a Brazil card where like you just throw all this the shoot a box southeast fighters on, man. Let's just see what they got. Uh Manel Cape, on the other hand, he is just like a little energizer bunny, man. Like that guy he never stops. He he throws everything with vicious intent. And uh, you know, he's in it the was mix, a good yeah. grab. He's in the mix, Pantosia, oh, you know what? He's you in the can't mix. blame the guy when he stood up and and called off Izzy in the press conference. Like, I mean, this is a guy who understands the game as it is now. If you talk the best shit and to the right people, you are going to be noticed. So his job after talking all that shit to the then at that time middleweight champion of the world, Izzy. Uh, is you better get your ass in that cage that the next night and win your fight. And he did. He went in there. He put on a show. Him and Felipe Dos Santos both put on a show. Cape comes out with the win. We expect to see that guy doing something else here pretty soon. And tied to Ivasa Volkov again, where we were right. I don't know where we were wrong because the I heard after the fight Volkov was like a plus 600 or plus 800 or plus 1,000. Something stupid like that on a submission. That's That that was out there. That juice is out there. How the fuck did we miss that, Jess? Uh, <laughs> Dewey Vossa did exactly what we said he would do, Jess. He came out. He threw a lot of bombs. Volkov throws this straight right hand, Jess, which not a lot of fighters throw. And it reminds me a lot of Boss Rutten when he would throw an open palm strike. It's a straight oh, right yeah. hand where he he crouches like a half of an inch and it's a crouch that projects that snake coil uh snake coil like power where he, he pops you with it and it just it is fucking nasty he dropped to Ivasa with it once he hurt him with it early and he also just missed it uh on the inside against the cage but to Ivasa again he let his hands go and, and he might have caught uh Volkov once or twice but nothing flush nothing to where Volkov was in any trouble and it was you know, just to steal on one of your lines, it was a bit of a paint by numbers, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I think that Volkov at this point in time in his career, if he's expecting to get any chance of a title shot in the UFC, in the heavyweight division, he's going to have to continuously win and find ways to win, even if they're boring ways to win. Uh, Volkov has obviously the experience advantage. He's got the height advantage. I mean, his legs are like eight feet long by themselves. And he used all that advantage in, in that in that fight that night. And Tuivasa to his uh, uh, his uh, uh, um, range of of fighting is he did go and he tried his best to make it a phone booth fight. He tried to do the bull and matador thing to steal a quote from you, my friend. And uh, he did a good job. He he went in there. He's always an exciting guy. He's a very likable guy. You know what? I expect Tui Vasa to be the next Derek Lewis type contract I with the so. UFC, or I actually so. with TKO, should I say? Oh, uh, we haven't even we haven't even touched on that. There. Is that a wrestling? But I, I believe all that a wrestling. You like that? I want. Uh, it, I love um, it. Um, Tui Vasa, I expect to get some sort of favored contractual type thing, unless TKO ain't doing that shit anymore. Derek Lewis was like the last one to get it one, but Tui Vasa is too well liked. He's too exciting of a guy. And he, you know what? He does win as much as he loses. And when he loses, it's spectacular. And when he wins, it's spectacular. So I don't see any reason that this fight hurt Tai Tuivasa at all. Tuivasa, Braun Breaker, NXT. Who says no? Um, yeah, we're on, we're on the same page. I just wanted to spit that joke out and keep it moving here, Jess. I like it. 
We spent so much time telling everybody on last week's podcast that Anderson Silva is better than Izzy Stylebender Adesanya on the scale of the, the goat scale, if you will. We spent no time saying Sean Strickland even had a chance. I don't even know if we went through much of conversation. I might, we might have scratched the surface and said, hey, puncher's chance. Maybe he touches Izzy's chin, who knows? Uh, you know, I don't want to say this is where we were right, where we were wrong, but we were definitely wrong. The entire universe is wrong. Let's keep it real here, Jess. The entire universe is wrong. Uh, quick, <laughs> quick, here's where I'm going to go. I want to scratch the surface with your thoughts and then I'll give you my long take. But I think, in my opinion, Izzy has been through a ton of top tier, top shelf fights. I don't want to say quick turnarounds, but those three, four, six month turnarounds, they're, they, you know, they flex here and there depending on the year and, and, and the fights. But uh, he's always fought the top competition. And I think at some point, you're, you're going to get caught at this level in these fights. It's just, it happens. Um, so I, I'm, I don't, oh, also, uh, I also think this, you know, when, when you come off of a knockout here, of a big dude, the Galaxies, Perea. Um, and, you know, he came back in a tough fight and knocked Perea out. And then you come back in a fight and you just get hit dead on the chin in the first round. You might just be cloudy and fucking concussed for the next four or five rounds, the next four or five hours. Uh, but give me, give me your thoughts, Jessa, and I'll hop back in here. So I'm going to start with Izzy, and I, I don't want to take anything away from his his standard of, of championship, right? Like, his, his he was a fighter's champion. He fought all the time. Jason, like you said, he was fighting every three to six months. Like, the guy never backed down from, from a fight. I don't think that he had any layoff longer than – I don't even think he, he's ever had a year layoff. Uh, since becoming a uh, world champion. And I, I think that in, at times you have to listen to your body, right? Jason and I both work out a lot, right? And when you hit the gym and you're expecting to put up big weights and then you put up that first set and your body's telling you, nope, not today, young man, not today. Then you have to just listen to your body. If you struggle and fight against it, bad shit happens. I think this is where we're at with Izzy. He's fought and fought and fought. And again, as Jason said, nothing but number one contenders for years now. Uh, and including a couple of just battles. Like, this isn't a guy who's just gone in and railroaded his opponents in two, in two rounds, right? A lot of his championship fights have gone all five rounds. And, and even in fights that he's won uh, by a KO or TKO, a lot of those fights, he's been touched up plenty of times. Uh, I remember when Chris Wyman, I believe, Chris Wyman touched him up. Uh, or no, uh, um, it was, uh, I can't remember his name at the top of the head, but he's been touched up plenty of times throughout his career. Yes, let me give, you, just... let me give you his last, his fight since 2019, okay? Oof, We're going scary. back to February, the Anderson fight, okay? Okay. Every fight, every fight after this. So every fight, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023 has been a championship fight, Jess. Gaslam, Whitaker, Romero, Costa. He lost to Jan when he went up. He came back and fight Vittori, Whitaker. 
Jared Cannonier. The loss to Perea. He beats Perea. He loses to Strickland. Yeah. And it was uh, Kel- Kelvin Gastelum is the uh, the guy I was when Kelvin Gastelum fought uh, Izzy. Gave him a ton Gastelum of fits. was winning that fight. Gave him a ton of fits. Gave him a ton of fits. And and throughout the, that course of of championship run, he has had guys <laughs> give him fits. He's just been able to maneuver through a lot of those, obviously by maintaining his belt. He went up and fought Jan. It's tough, man. Izzy's a naturally smaller guy. He's mm-hmm. not really. I don't. I in my in my opinion, I don't believe that he should have gone up. I think it was fun. It I was think the it was risk. worth the pay. It was the risk, but, and we and we talked about it at the time. Jazz Jan's coming down to two hundred five. He's going up to two hundred five. It was a recipe for disaster. Exactly. And then against Perea, Perea's a much bigger dude naturally. Again, so even dropping to uh, one eighty five, he's a big, strong guy. Obviously, they had their kickboxing of uh, matches and stuff. Everybody remembers uh, uh, Perea knocking Izzy out. And then uh, Perea comes in, and he gets the big win over Izzy. Izzy comes back, uh, gets that win back. And then, uh, you know, and, and then he's fought in Sean Strickland, I believe, already once before. And and he's beaten Strickland. And so here we go. Uh, I just believe that it's a losing battle of attrition. With uh, Israel Adesanya, uh, he's just fought so much. I'm actually wrong, Jeff. I can't believe it. I, I'm wrong, by the way. I want to correct it. We, he had not never fought Sean. I thought he had fought Sean. Oh, I swear that he had thought, fought Sean I think, before. I think we wow. just got our white boys mixed up with Vittori. We did. With Vittori. Uh, but go ahead. But to go back, again, it's it's a losing battle of attrition, and that comes with age. And that also comes with the amount of fights and the the uh, type Hard of fights fight. that you're in. Hard fights. Okay. And so I still think that Izzy, a lot of people, it, MMA, hashtag MMA Twitter is so fickle. We love them. After this fight, so many of you just said, Nob, Izzy's done. He's washed. I've seen it multiple times. And I don't believe that for a second. I say what Izzy should do. Is take nine months off wow. straight. Wow, nine nine months. months, nine months. He's earned it. He's earned his rest. He needs to get rested. He needs to be mentally prepared. You can't. I can't even imagine how mentally exhausting it would be to every fight that you're coming into have to be a battle of words every single it's fucking everything, time. But it's it's the it's the the. Build up. You got to promote the pay per view. You got to go talk to oh, Stephen You know what? You got to go do this. You me gotta... personally, I Every love the Fedor. Fight. I love the Fedor experience where he don't say shit until it's time to pick up the mic after he's already beaten some dude's ass. There's so that, much. That's my type. I think it's mentally exhausting for Izzy to constantly in the be in this battle of wits with every single opponent on top of having to do photo shoots on top of having to do re- interviews on radio shows in podcasts and in all these things that the UFC has him parading around doing because he's the champion. And then on top he's of that, you got to fit brand. in an intense training sessions in between just to be physically fit and prepared for your fight. It's a lot of work to do this. And he's been doing it for years I say the man takes nine months off, comes back, gets in a good training session, a good three-month training session, fights again at that point in time. We're looking at now a possibly a year away from him fighting if we're doing things my way. But I think if he does that, he comes back better than ever before, and he can make that one last title run, which I do honestly believe 
Israel Adesanya has in him. As far as Sean Strickland, yes, I've this guy just simply came out with a battle plan and stuck to it regardless. And sometimes that will win you fights. He he basically beat and Jay, correct me if I'm wrong. He basically beat Israel Adesanya, one of the greatest strikers on the planet, with a one-two combo. <laughs> I think that's tough. Um, I he made, I mean, he threw a lot of jabs. He threw the right hand. You uh, you know, bleeding back into my old stuff here. I think when he landed the big right hand late in that first round, him. followed by a combination fifteen straight left hands. And Sean's cranking that left hand, uh, you know, to finish the round. That rattled his cage. And Israel spent the next four rounds fighting off of the cage and, you know, counterfighting, but badly, if you will. And I don't want to say he was in there just fighting to survive, but Sean was very, he was incredibly disciplined and fought a perfect fight. You know, I can... I can understand the thought process of he got beat with a one-two, but you've got to also understand there's a lot of defense that he's playing in there. There's a lot of hand fighting. There's a lot of the 3D chess going on with what Izzy's doing, what Izzy's looking at. And Izzy did take, you know, a few chances, just not as many of chances. Course. Not as many chances as champ. we're used to seeing. Not as many chances as we're used to seeing. And I, I think I gave Izzy one round. I gave Izzy the second round. But I scored the first round of 10-8, and I feel like that's controversial. I think I feel like when I went and, and checked Twitter afterwards, everyone had the same score, and I'm like, he he dropped Izzy flush and then hit him with 15 straight fights. Like you in the round, the referee also. was in there. When, the referee when you in the round with a flurry like that, referee, that looks really bad. The referee's to the looking at you. The referee's yeah. looking at you like you good. Like all that's happening. That's a 10-8 round for me. So, uh, yeah, I thought just Sean just didn't really overcommit. He didn't need to. There was a lot of leg kicks, check leg kicks, low, you know, low kicks to the, the shin kicks. And uh, he just fought a fucking perfect fight, bro. He really did fight a perfect fight. And uh, to, to go back and, and talk a little bit about what you were talking about, it's interesting because I'm not sure what they do with Israel and Dana did the thing yesterday, you know, these, uh, these Dana white contender series, these, these, these post scrums. I feel like he gives a lot of good shit on these, but he said, he mentioned, he said, Hey, you know, I mentioned uh, after the fight that I was thinking about uh, Izzy and Sean getting a, a, an immediate rematch, but now I'm not so sure about that. Maybe, maybe we do something different. I don't know. So, I think he always likes to check the temperature of what other people no, sure. and what other people are thinking and what's going to move the needle. What's going to get people to buy their pay-per-views. You know, what's going to, they, listen, they got to sell pay-per-views here because the Peacock subscription only gives you so much of a fill here. <laughs> they got it. They need more money. You know what I'm saying? Shout out the dude that uh, works for TKO that doesn't know much of shit and goes, uh, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have, crossovers we're gonna have wwe guys possibly fighting in the ufc and these ufc guys when they're ready to moonlight they might show up in the wwe why not this fight guy's got big balls this is one of these big pillar suits that doesn't know shit about either the ufc or mma or the wwe 
Guy spends probably a lifetime on the golf course, though, because he's fucking a big suit and can just say random shit. But um, I'm interested. I'm, I'm interested, Jess, in what they do next uh, with, with Sean. And Sean, you know, again, we need to give Sean his flowers while we can because yes. he fought a perfect fucking fight. And again, nobody thought he would be able to do it, and he did it. And and here's the other thing about Sean Strickland. So, like, we we all have seen like his Twitter side and all of his comments and yeah, but, some but of his wacky interviews, right? We all know No, I just I just want to say this. I just want to give Sean Strickland a shout out for being so personal afterwards. I mean, he brought up some shit, right? Like, I mean, his after his post fight credits were like he delivered some hard shit. Yep. And then you, Jay, you, you and I have always talked about, man, you have to be kind of crazy to go do this job. Like you're in a cage locked in for 15 to 25 minutes with another dude beating the shit out of each other until one of you is either knocked out or submitted and, and, and one guy's getting his hand raised. It's, it's, you can't be a, a perfectly sane, normal guy. Cause like, I feel I'm pretty sane and I wouldn't do that shit. Like, I mean, I'm just, you know, it's not for me. Uh, I don't like to get hit in the face. We've talked about that yeah, before on the show too. Uh, and Sean Strickland let some personal shit out, and and it is tough, man, because you, you know you everybody walks a different path in life. In his life, just uh, it seems like it was really hard, and here he is now, uh, overcoming all those odds that we probably didn't even know about because Sean doesn't talk about that kind of shit, and he kind of like let some of the cat out of the bag. And and here he is now sitting here uh, beating possibly the this, this second greatest middleweight champion of all time and, uh, and, and now becoming the middleweight champion of the UFC, which is just an incredible feat, especially for a guy like Sean, who, you know, his skill set doesn't necessarily match up with a guy like Adesanya, but he found a way to get the job done. So, yes, give Sean Strickland his flower parade. I think it's okay for us, and we've discussed we discuss this on the show. It feels like every few months to have different beliefs with somebody, uh, and still respect what they can do in their respective craft. Right? I can uh, not agree with what the butcher thinks, but he can still cut a hell, you know, cut a hell of a slice of turkey for me, or a slice of provolone, if you will. And uh, we can respect what Sean can do in the cage and what he says outside of the cage, you know without even scratching the surface on any of that stuff, which I feel like I was ready to, but I'm going to leave it alone because we've got a lot <laughs> of ground to cover. Yeah, um, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm I'm happy to see him win that championship, and he does have somewhat of a good story. Some people, of course, would argue the opposite. The people that are going to say, well, fuck his good story because he has different beliefs than me, so therefore... He's a piece of shit. It's it's tough. Well, hey, guess what? It's tough. That piece of shit just that piece of shit just won the middleweight title yeah, of the world. So and, they, and, we, and, we and, and you ain't, ain't ain't none of us with those beliefs. That you ain't taking it from him no time soon. <laughs> we, we, you know what I'm saying? We definitely ain't walking in his house with all them goddamn guns on the wall. Hey, so uh, <laughs> let's scratch the surface again here on this UFC since we're scratching every surface here. Everything's getting an itch and a scratch, if you will. Let's touch up on this UFC that's coming up this week. UFC Mexico, Jess. What are we thinking here? Do we, our girl Loopy's fighting our favorite female fighter in the UFC right now, Lupe. Loop. She's going to be in Mexico representing against the American Else Reed. 
and she just so happens to be she's a 420 favorite is that correct i see a 440 a favorite right favorite yeah, yeah she's loopy's a, favorite she's a fucking Loop, loopy's star. fighting Loopy's fighting Elise Reed. I don't know nothing about Elise Reed. I apologize to Elise Reed in her camp for not knowing anything about her. But this is what I do know. Loopy, Loopy's favored. I've seen her fight. Yep. She's gotten better each fight. She's representing Mexico in Mexico. Loopy ain't losing. She's getting that. She's getting that dub. Let's touch on these final three fights, Jess. And the reason I want to touch on the Rojas fight is just plus. I'm sorry, minus 700, so enormous favorite. Mitchell, a 5-1 to one dunk. Rojas, still like that's, 19. Hey, like, that's my like, money line right there. 19-year-old mm. kid fighting in Mexico for the first time. This feels to me like there's a immense pressure on this kid. And uh, I, once again, Jess, we're here to get you all paid. If I'm looking for a little underdog special this weekend, if I'm looking for a little this and a little that, as, an, as, a, as a Latin man that wants to see my young Latino men succeed in all aspects, I'll be rooting for Rojas, unless, of course, I go slap a few bills on Terrence Mitchell. And that might be, that might be done the other way. Uh, Jess, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I'm going to pull the trigger here and say Rojas, but big dog Terrence Mitchell would not surprise me if we're getting in late into that third round and at some point in that second round, uh, Mitchell takes over, steals the second round, wins the third round. Again, who knows, though? You, you got to really win these rounds in Mexico with the Mexican fighter, with these judges. Uh, I'm, I'll go there as well. Uh, but, Jess, who you got? Uh, you know what? I think this this isn't gonna be his coming out party, but I think it'll it'll feel like it because it's in Mexico and he's representing Mexico as well, right? I'm gonna go Paul Rojas. Uh, I I think that his wrestling ability is what his camp is going to have him uh, live and die by. I, he's gonna live and die by the takedown. And I Terrence Mitchell is uh, he's one of those just banger type fighters. I love the guy. He's exciting. Um, he's been around the block for a little bit here and there. Um, and uh, the record is good, so that's another bright, shiny thing, right? Terrence Mitchell has a good record, 14-3, and three. but I think Paul Rojas Jr. is going to get the, the decision win and look for a shit ton of wrestling. Like, I think that yeah. Rojas is going to go into his bag and just out-wrestle Mitchell for three rounds. Mitchell is a Alaska combat former champion with a lot of grappling. You know, those fuckers in Alaska love to roll. So he does have some impressive, uh, an impressive resume coming out of the Alaska fighting. But, um, man, I just, maybe he catches Rojas with his neck out in the third round because Rojas is a little gassed. Again, Jess, I'm trying to get everybody baby or fuck. All right. That's right. Uh, I uh, come in event, Kevin, the Trailblazer Holland. This guy, we talk Woo. a lot about this guy on this goddamn show. That's because he, he fights, fights every three weeks. Because he fights all the goddamn time. <laughs> he is a slight dog. This is pretty much an even fight. I got plus one twenty five in front of me. I don't know what you got there, Jess. I got minus one fifty for uh, Jack Della Magalena. I feel like this fight was scheduled to happen before and it didn't, and now it is. Uh, maybe I could be wrong, Jess. Who you got? 
Uh, Kevin Holland's been fighting a lot, and he's looked more impressive. Uh, he, I believe that his last, uh, the last victory was a pretty big deal. I can't remember who he's fighting. All there's a lot of fights, folks. There's a yeah. lot of fights that happen. Uh, but Kevin Holland, uh, just uh, again, he is he is in fact a trailblazer. Like this guy fights, and he doesn't care if he's got to come back in two weeks and fight again. And uh, he is a professional in the sport. He takes it seriously. Uh, you know, I, I love the guy's attitude. He's very fired up all the time. He stays in great shape, which helps. But I believe, and Jay, you and I have talked about JDM a lot on the show. I believe that he is an up-and-coming star in the UFC. Uh, I think that Jack Madalena's uh, boxing is going to get him a lot of points. I think that what's going to end up happening is... His all-around skill set is going to end up being able to nullify some of Kevin Holland's grappling. And what we'll see, hopefully, is a banger fight, which I think Jack Della uh, Del Madalena will end up winning a unanimous decision in. July 29th, basically six weeks ago, was uh, Holland's last fight, by the way. <laughs> six fucking weeks ago. Um, man, this is a tough one, Jess. I'd... I've, we talked so much about how Holland's turned the corner here. And I feel like if he could fuck around and win this fight, man, that would be enormous. He, he He's going to be a big 170-er, Jazz. He's going to be a it's big true. fucking 170-er in this fight. I don't know if Della Magdalena is going to be able to get to to burn his tank and give Holland the fits. I I'm I'm much like Vegas. I'm, I think this is a pick 'em, and I'm going to pick Holland. I think Holland's really turning the corner here. I think all There's those. I think, him, I think him getting his ass whooped in all those early uh, fights three, four, two, three years ago in his career are what's turning shit around now, and uh, would not surprise me if Della Magdalena did end up. Out dogging him, and that would be that would be an impressive performance if he can, because you gotta really bring the motherfucking lunch bell if you're gonna out dog Holland. But uh, I'm I'm going Holland here. I think he's gonna win two of the la- two of the three rounds. I could see a scenario where he starts to gas bigly here in that third round, and Magdalena turns it on a little bit because he's got a better a better tank, but. Uh, Holland's Holland's a big one seventy boy, and he is hard. So uh, this will be a great fight. Uh, all right, Jess. So we're, we it's been a minute since we've been uh, we we've been different on a pickup on a on a big fight on a co-main event. Yeah, we that's, that's, that's one. We, we are we gonna one. split this one? The main event: Valentina <laughs> Bulletproof Shavashenko versus Alexa Grasso. Grasso coming off of that win where, let's be honest, she was losing this fight before she caught Shabashenko here. Shabashenko made one mistake, and Grasso took advantage of it. Credit to her, Jess. Give me your thoughts who you got. Uh, it was a, It was an impressive win. And I think that we both discussed uh, Shevchenko just kind of yeah, it's tough for me to pick against Valentina when she lost or when she won every single round, made a mistake, and just got caught. It almost yeah. feels to me like the most simple blueprint is, okay, this fight, just don't make that same mistake. Just don't throw dumb spinning shit, and you'll be good. 
The thing that concerns me now is when you give Grasso the confidence when she knows she can beat you, when she knows if she gets you into some weird position, she can take you and submit you. I think that's what makes it really intriguing to me because you never know if if that happens. Now, I know Grasso was attempting takedowns in that first fight and wasn't able to get one. And maybe again, maybe Bulletproof says, well, I'm not I'm not making that same mistake. And so and thinking with all this chess, and I, and I and I believe Grasso is uh no, she's slight dog slight dog, right? Slight dog. Slight dog. Uh I'm going Chef. It doesn't I'm, happen often when you're the I'm, champ. I'm going bulletproof. I think she's gonna paint by numbers and get out the back door here, jump on the Fucking first bottle she can get her hands on with her belt. You better, yeah. man. Beating a beating a Mexican fighter in Mexico, that ain't gonna be good. Jump on that bottle and ride out of the town. Fucking hop on the first thing smoke and get the fuck out of there with her belt. Uh, I like Shavashenko, Jess. Let's keep it. But moving. again, go ahead, go ahead. if you folks, if if you folks want some money, you know, you if, if the champ is the dog, there ain't no there ain't no shame in putting a little money on the champ. So just yeah. saying. Jess, we're going to do what we always do. Week one seemed like a little bit of fun. Week two is upon us. Uh, we gave out a lot of great expertise last week. We also missed on some shit, what happens, which happens, right? I'm piggybacking off of what you said to start the show here. I believe when you have a lot of teams that don't warm up their players in preseason, I believe if you don't have guys playing at least two, three, four quarters, a full game, Somewhere in that mix, you're going to have a lot of clunkiness, a lot of low-scoring games, take the under, if you will. This is advice that we tried to give a lot of our listeners last week. Um, so, Jess, quick story here. We text a little bit about this before we start the show. I want to start the show off, or start the, before we start our picks, if you will, by saying I missed majority of football last week, Football Sunday. I was traveling to L.A., I listened to the entire 49ers-Steelers game on the radio, driving south. And when I got to my hotel room, Jess, I put it on Twitter, turned on the TV, excited to look at some games, and I got that big spectrum. Uh, you, uh, ESPN, Disney, they have a, a confliction here with fucking spectrum. So you can't watch a bunch of channels. And some of those are football channels. So I was not happy. So uh, I could not watch the Chargers in L.A., although I was right neck. I was a fucking half an hour from where they were playing. At, <laughs> very frustrating. But uh, let's start here, Jess. We're going to be leaning on you because you had you had two eyes on a lot of these early games here. Thursday game. The Minnesota Vikings across the board. And as Jess mentioned here, one more, one last plug. The lines.com are using, they utilize Caesars, FanDuel, BetMGM, PointsBet, BetRivers, Bet365, and DraftKings. We're looking at a six and a half across the board, Jess. Philly's favored by six and a half. Thursday night, who you got? So Philly struggled for. Probably a good two and a half quarters against the Patriots. The Patriots really, Bill Belichick really brought out his A game for that for that week one matchup. Philly escapes to get out with a win. They're at home against Minnesota. It looks like the points are, I mean, what, what do we want to give them? Like a six, six, and it looks like mostly six and a half. And a half. So it's across the board. Six and a half. It's across the board. Uh, I, I, I personally like the six and a half. Uh, 
I, I like the six and a half. I think I think the the Eagles win by probably seven to ten points. Uh, they're at home. But I will say one thing about Minnesota. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking last week when they went to Justin Jefferson, possibly the greatest wide receiver we've seen since since Randy Moss or Jerry Rice, right? Like, this kid's amazing. Yeah, he's up there. He had seven catches, 138 yards, and a tutty in the first half. Oh, Jesus. And then and then the second half, they throw to him. They, he gets two catches for, like, 18 yards, and that was it? Yeah. Kirk Cousins, I don't know what you're doing out there, brother, but you need to start just throwing, just huck that ball at JJ and let him just let him ride, man. Like you, you can't give up on Justin Jefferson like that. I don't know what the game plan was, but in this game, I'm taking Philly at home, and I will, I'll take the point. Yeah, you would assume that Phil, that uh, Minnesota, the defense they played, made adjustments, and that's why Jefferson had more problems. But I've seen uh, Cousins throw in the double coverage. Doesn't fucking matter. Uh, I agree with you. I like Philly. I like Minnesota to keep it tight. And uh, fourth quarter, it gets away from a mere 10 points. Sounds about right. I like Philly, and I, and I like the points. Okay, Jess, I'm going to do this. I am gonna. I'm, I was going to start with Vegas-Buffalo, but I'm going to call an audible here. I want to try and hit all these ugly mama mid 10 o'clock games, and then we'll circle back, and the last 10 o'clock game will be uh, Vegas-Buffalo. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Let's do it. Not spend a ton of time on this. Uh, Atlanta, they are a dog at home. One and a half points to Green Bay. Atlanta at home. Green Bay, who you got? Uh, I am going to take Green Bay. Uh, I think Atlanta <laughs> still has a whole lot of work to do. Uh, Desmond Ritter uh, looked like a high school quarterback out there. They have got to do something about the quarterback position or else Atlanta ain't going to win too many games. Jordan Love, on the other hand, had a – Bust out game in week one. Uh, top rated quarterback in the NFL last week. Uh, I, I'll take Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers on the road. Uh, missed all highlights. Kept my eye on Bijan. Kept my eye on Ritter stat wise. Uh, uh, listen, there's a few quarterbacks I'm going to have my eye on this year, and Ritter is one of them. I like Green Bay. I like the points. This feels like a three to seven point win for Green Bay. This is one of the it does Atlanta stink stuff is going to kick in. Uh, next game here, Jess. This is an interesting one. God, there's some good ones. Let me skip these good ones. Chicago, they look like trash. Uh, they're going on the road. They are facing Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I can't believe that. At home, what do you got? Baker Mayfield mm. has a halfway decent game. Yes. And the world goes nuts yes. and starts talking, Baker's back, Baker's back. I don't believe – that Baker's back, but I do believe that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are better than the Chicago Bears. The Bears are a mess. Sorry, Chris. I love you very much, but the Bears, the Bears are are, are such a hot garbage mess right now. Justin Fields showed no yeah. type of progression. Yes. A matter of fact, it feels like he's regressed, oh. which is really bad. He didn't even pick up the yards on the on the ground like he's known for last year. I know that Tampa Bay is a good place for him to kind of pick up steam. I just don't see it happening on the road in Tampa Bay. I'm taking Tampa Bay in the points. Uh, my buddy, Lifetime Bears fan, spent more time talking about how bad that Bears defense is. And he said that he is worried about how bad this team's going to be this year. 
Uh, if Fields is down 14-17 uh, in games, of course, he's going to have issues. That has to be a team that runs on fluidity, wins games 17-13-2013. I, I just don't know if Fields is going to be a shootout guy. But we'll see. Maybe this is one of those teams, Jess, week four, week five. They look more like a, a well-oiled engine offensively. We shall see. I do not trust Tampa Bay, but they are at home. The three feels about right. Two bad teams. Someone's got to win. Um, is, we say this about Baker, so I, I will give him a little bit of credit here. He is able to make that first read well, and he can get a, put a good ball where it needs to be. And when you have these receivers, sometimes you just got to throw it up. So uh, I like Tampa. I like the points. It feels like a four-point win. Uh, ugly game here, 10 o'clock game. Uh, the Indy Colts won one and a half point favorite on the road. So we'll just keep it at one. Uh, Houston Texans, they're at home. Jess, who you got? Oh, the lovable losers, the Houston Texans. And another one of our favorite people, Justin Von Doom. Yeah. Justin, we love you. Houston does not look very good. They don't look like they've game planned with the players that they have. Uh, I hope that the, that head coach can put things together a little bit as the season goes, because I do believe that Houston's got some reasonably good players. Uh, but man, that week one matchup was, was uh, pretty bad. CJ Stroud did not look very good. I know he got a lot of props and I think that he deserves it. He's week one starting rookie quarterback. Uh, it's tough, uh, you know, to, to, to win in the NFL as a year 10 quarterback, it's even tougher to win as a, a rookie quarterback in starting off week one in this matchup. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say this is going to be a little bit of a breakout game for Anthony Richardson and the Colts. I'm going to take the Colts on the road over the Houston Texans. I was able to watch Richardson highlights. I thought he looked good. They have some pieces there, even without having that big name running back. Uh, they need him though. And, uh, but, they, but they can win this game, not this game. Yes. I like yes. Indy. I like the points. All right. Uh, kind of some sexy games here. So I didn't want to skip them. First one, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, three and a half point favorite. They are at home. They're taking on the Baltimore Ravens. This is fun. Jess, who you got? So a battle. So as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, when you don't play a lot of preseason, that week one can be can be real rusty, right? Joe Burrow got pulled in this game. He just signed the richest contract in NFL history ever, 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 and got pulled. He got yanked. And now, don't think that this is a yank is in a bad way. They were just saying, look, man, Burrow's not looking right. We got to pull flag. him and try to preserve yeah, him. White flag. Th this was a preserving yank of Joe Burrow. That calf is obviously still bothering him. After every play, uh, or after every time the Bengals would get, get off the field, uh, the trainers were working on that calf constantly. So don't sit here and try to tell me that Joe Burrow is 100%. I'm guessing he's more like 80%, 75-80%. That calf is going to need some work. And I hope that they have a backup plan in case Burrow needs to sit for a week or two to kind of let it rest. <laughs> Uh, also, on the other hand, you have Lamar Jackson, who had just signed a big-ass deal, worked his way into some money, and then he comes out there and puts on a big-ass egg show there uh, in week one. Lamar did not look good. The passing was terrible. OBJ strutting around doing the Ray Lewis dance before lost, the Lost before the running the game. back for the year. 
lost uh, lost J.K. Dobbins yet again. Poor kid. Prayers up to that guy, man, because he has had a rough injury uh, injured uh, career. It's been bad for that young man. Hopefully, he can come back or or you know and and be strong finally. Um, but the Baltimore Ravens passing attack was just mid. Mark Andrews didn't play. That definitely hurt. But when you got some of these guys like OBJ and, and Rashad Bateman and some of these other cats, Zay Flowers, the rookie, when you got some of these guys, you got to start using them. And I'm starting to just, to, just a smidge, doubt that we're ever going to see the MVP Lamar Jackson ever again because he has not looked the same ever since that year. Uh, Lamar's passing does not look good. His pocket presence does not look good. His footwork does not look good. This doesn't mean that it can't be corrected, but damn, we're in like year six or seven with Lamar. I mean, some of these things, and we're going to talk about this when we get to Buffalo. I'm going to say some of the same shit, but some of these things need to be corrected and should have been corrected by now. In this game, however, I'm going to say at home in Cincinnati, I think that the Bengals will power through, use a lot of that power run game that they have, use some of those quick slants that they used going uh, get into the AFC Championship. I think that's what they're going to use to take pressure off of Burrow, who's also his offensive line is absolutely garbage. They even cut Lael Collins, who you remember from Dallas yes. Cowboy days. Was a stud. Uh, uh, not anymore, apparently. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see. Hey, so hey, I'm gonna... By the way, Jess, uh, quick prediction. I would not be surprised if he ends up on San Francisco's roster. Go ahead. I'm kind of hoping he ends up on Buffalo's roster. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, the Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Bengals at home. I like the points. They're not big. I'll take the points in the Bengals at home over the Ravens. Yeah, Jess, I'm flying opposite. Here's my upset. This is going to be 13-13 through four quarters. And at some point, Lamar is going to go, fuck this. I'm going to run pistol. I'm going to run quarterback sneaks. I'm going to run wildcat with Gus the bus. I'll get short yarded shit with whoever I can. And we're going to end up winning this game like 16-13 or 20-13 or 10-13. They'll score a touchdown. It'll be 17-13. I think the Bengals are still going to struggle offensively here. I think it's the combination of Burrow's not 100% and they're just not clicking right offensively unless uh, Mixon can uh, can get going here and give them like that 120 to 160 total yards of offense. And this is that AFC North game where they're – you know, those running backs are going to get touches. Um, the the Bengals are going to struggle. I like Baltimore. Here's my slide upset, if you will. There we go. All right, Seattle Seahawks, five-and-a-half-point dog to the Detroit Super Lions. Jesse's favorite coach. The, the He's fiery as all hell. They went into Kansas City. They punched Kansas City in the mouth. Jess, who you got? Uh, you know what? I, I pray. I obviously, if you've listened to the show, I love Dan Campbell. I love his fire, his, his fireness. I, I love the heat that that guy brings every single game, every single uh interview. Like, every interview is so intense, like, every interview is intense, and I love that guy, right? He gets his fire, his players fired up. They've got some studs on that team. And earlier, when we were doing our over under uh, um, um, records, right? 
I had said that you got to watch out for Jared Goff because Jared Goff has been a top-ranked quarterback for a very long time. The guy just gets passed around for some reason. Everybody thinks they've got something better than Jared Goff until Goff's gone, and then they ain't got it no more. You like that? This guy is good. He's gonna he's gonna continue to play well, play smart with the ball, low turnover ratio. The running backs, Jameer Gibbs, man, that kid's guy. He's a flashy kid. I like him. The little little slide out of the pocket, drop that off, and let Jameer Gibbs just burn, right? And then on top of that, you guys uh, you got Dave Montgomery who comes in there and he can hammer the ball out up the middle for a couple yards here and there. Amon St. Brown, the, the Detroit Lions are primed and ready to make another push this season. The Seattle Seahawks, on the other hand, at the beginning of the year, uh, I said that these guys were going to be a team to look out for. I said Geno Smith's going to come in. They're going to rock and roll. They got some offensive weapons now. They looked like garbage against the L.A. Rams and absolutely got punched in the mouth. Yeah, that got got away from them late. Goodness gracious, Gino! Like running for his life. I mean, hell, I'd run for my life if Aaron Donald was chasing me too. So I don't blame that guy for that play. Uh, I think that it's going to be a close game. I don't like the points, but I will take Detroit for the win. Yeah, uh, I like Detroit, and I actually love the points. I feel like Ooh. this might even go double digits, Detroit late. Wow, you yeah. really are liking Detroit yeah, right now. Yeah, I, you know what? And it's funny because when we did our pickums, there were three or four teams that I mentioned that I said are going to come back to earth. They maximize their talent, and I thought that Detroit might be one of them, and I think I might be eating my words here. But I want to wait. I want to wait. Seattle was one of those other teams, and I think yes, they were. and I think now they're coming back to earth a little bit here. I think their defense was exposed by the Rams last week. They they had a a ton of holes. That's a game that I even though I said even though I was at some point I started watching that game on my goddamn phone because I'm like I, I gotta watch some fucking football here. I'm off the road. <laughs> I, I'm watching this. I'm watching the red zone. For some reason, the only game I was able to watch was. Uh, Chicago Green Bay and it was a blowout by the time I got to it I was like oh fuck get me out of here but uh I like Detroit to go be up seven points pretty much the entire game and, and it gets away from Seattle late and Detroit wins by 10 to 14 uh all right like but here's another sexy game Jess the Los Angeles Chargers they are on the road they are taking on the Tennessee Titans the Titans are a three-point dog, Jess. Who you got? Uh, they kind of deserve to be the dog. They didn't really show a lot of anything on offense, Tennessee. Uh, Tannehill did his best to basically force-feed DeAndre Hopkins the ball. And to their credit, it sort of worked. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, he added something like six, seven catches for like 70, 80 yards, something yeah, like that. Nothing, nothing big, nothing flashy. But DeAndre showed that if you if you feed him the ball, he will catch the ball. Uh, Derrick Henry on the surprise was out touched by another running back on that football team. Really weird shit. Uh, when you got a guy like Derrick Henry, who in years past has been up for like, you know, possibly MVP of the season and this and that, uh, everybody talks about him, you know, being the best running back in the league here, here we go now, now in a new offense, different style coordinator, here we go. Uh, I we're seeing in week one, Derrick Henry gets out touched by a different running back on the same team. Really super weird shit. Uh, I don't like where the the direction that Tennessee is headed. Uh, I think that Tannehill was left behind with uh, just basically DeAndre Hopkins to throw the ball to and Derrick Henry to run the ball. 
And now they're not even running Derrick Henry as much. So uh, weird direction for the offense to go. I'm taking the Chargers. They were in that huge shootout with Miami Dolphins back and forth. Uh, some people said automatic NFL classic type game, Chargers Dolphins week one. Uh, Justin Herbert is he still flashes that big arm. Eckler still is running the ball hard as long as that guy stays healthy. Him and Joshua Kelly are a good one two punch. Uh, Mike Williams, I don't believe played, uh, but Keenan Allen did. And then they had a couple of, of, uh, of rookies and whatnot, wide receivers out there as well. Uh, the Chargers are going to be fine on offense. I like them in this game, and I definitely like the points. They uh, also in true Charger fashion, since you're mentioning all the, the normals, they found a way to urinate on themselves. Yes, they did. That goddamn game. Um, <laughs> I, I agree with all your points, and for the sake of keeping it moving here, I'm going to take the Chargers and the points. A little leery on it. I can see a scenario where this is a – Yes, you know, tie game. Maybe, or maybe the Chargers are up a point or two, and then and then they, we get a Titans field goal at home uh, to to win late. But I'm I'm with you. I like the, I like the Chargers. I like the points at home. Okay, uh, last sexy game at 10 a.m. Before we move to the Bills, it's going to be Kansas City. They're on the road. They're a three point favorite. To the Jacksonville Jaguars at home across the board. I see a three, Jess. Who you got? This is actually way sexier game than Vegas and Buffalo, but I understand why you're doing it this way. Uh Kansas City, they I I don't I don't really believe they got punched in the mouth last week. I, I know that people people talk about Detroit, they came out, they were fired up. All things were working well. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, who many believe already is the the goat at quarterback, which I don't. He's got he's got a ways to go and a few rings to win before he matches Tom Brady. But they were without Travis Kelsey, who is basically ninety percent of their offense outside yeah. of Mahomes. Uh, Kelsey sat uh, with an injury, the, the hyperextension of his knee. The defense was without Chris Jones, which is basically 90% of that defense. Although they did have some studs fill in. Nick Bolton is one of the rising stars at middle linebacker. God, that guy can lay hits for a set. He's a smaller guy, too. He's not very big. But, man, he will he packs a, he packs a wall up on you. Uh, the defense is going to stand pat. They get Travis Kelsey back. I do believe he'll be close to 100%. The knee injury was uh, very minor, and they held him out because of that severity. Um, they just held him out so he'd be healthy for a week, too. Um, and so I think that we'll see a better variation of the Kansas City Chiefs. However, this is my upset special. Oh. I think I'm buying in. Yes. Brother, you've done it. I'm buying into T-Law, baby. This We've kid, made it. Is, he is something else. He can make plays with the arm. He can make plays with the legs. He swings the air. He's got a little swag. And he's also a consummate professional. I love the little one-on-one -on -one he had with Anthony Richardson at the end of that game, which was a very tough-fought game for week one. Uh, Jacksonville's got weapons outside. Calvin Ridley. Oh my God, I I I love I've loved Calvin Ridley for a long time. I think the kid's a special wide receiver, and now he's in a, a new home. And T. Law loves this guy, and for good reason, man. He has got some serious route running abilities, and he's got some speed underneath him as well. 
I'm going upset special, even though it's at home in Jacksonville. I'm taking the Jacksonville Jaguars. Stealing my shine. I oh love it. no! I I'm love sorry. It. It's just now, listen, it, this is this feels like almost a lay down. I almost feel like the three is high. How is this not even? How is this not just a half? How how do you not give Jacksonville the three points at home? You're traveling from the west to the east. That uh, who the fuck can catch the ball for Kansas City? They've Obviously, got a, no one. They've got a bunch of young dudes who urinated on themselves on on national television. Oh, that was bad. And this kid Tony was bullied to deleting his social media. <laughs> Mahomes needs Kelsey. Otherwise, he's in a world of trouble. If Kansas City cannot run the ball and find ways to get big chunks of yards, and they don't score 20, 23 points, they're losing this game. Jacksonville's rolling. This Jacksonville's easily going to score 20 to 27 points on that defense. I know that uh, the Casey got their kid back. They got their guy back. But he's got to get into fucking game shape and live speed motion and all that shit that Jess and I have just spent a ton of time talking about. This is Jacksonville. This is Jacksonville all day. We're giving you two upsets. We're going to give you a third one here, I would guess, before this show's over. And you're going to have a little three-teamer parlay to go really go fucking pay your mortgage. All right, Jess, (laughs) we've hit all of the sexy AM games. There's one AM game left, Jess. And I do want to share this second story. I am in Disneyland Monday night and I am on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and my goddamn phone starts blowing up like you would not believe. And I'm thinking, all of my kids are with me. So why in the, I don't get, my phone don't blow up on like this unless there's a big trade. I check my phone, it's 17 texts. Did you see what happened to Rogers? Are you watching what, are you watching this fucking game? Are you around TV? Uh, at some point, I'm at dinner, and I'm at I'm at dinner with I think eight people, and at least three or four of the people at the table had juice on this goddamn game, Jess. Whether it was fantasy or DraftKings or just straight out straight up action, and it that felt like a goddamn game that Buffalo was gonna win, and uh, and again I'm not watching any of this. I'm literally watching the game cast score, refreshing my phone on my ESPN app. Well, I'm trying to have a, a nice little steak in Disneyland. And uh, I fucking, uh, I see the Bills lose. I get home from Disneyland around midnight. I get my ass in bed and I'm scrolling Twitter looking <laughs> just for your tweets. Looking just for your fucking tweets. With all that said, Jesse, the Las Vegas Ra- Raiders, they're traveling from west to east. Shout out my boy Brian. I hope he's doing well. Across the board, nine and a half. I see uh, one site with nine. I see DraftKings. He's got to an eight and a half. But I'm going to stay. I'm going to keep it at nine here, Jess. Okay. Uh, So the the week one matchup, if you remember anybody who listened to last week's show, I did pick the Jets to win this game. You did. You did. And and here we go. This This is what I'm talking about, right? 
Uh, Jason always talks about the Jets and Robert Sala having a top three defense, and they do. That defense is monstrous. Even you got to tops, watch him for four quarters now, Jess. You know what I'm talking about. It's tough, man. That defense is tough. They fly everywhere. CJ Mosley's been in the league for like 11 years or some shit. Dude flies. You wish that Von Quinn Miller was CJ Mosley. Quinn and Williams. For a 315-pound dude, flies. Like, I, I, man. Fucking elite. So, I mean, they've got so many elite defenders, and that's not even to uh, mention that Sauce Gardner actually got burned all night long, and he oh, is wow. an elite corner. Yeah, he, he did get eaten up, though. No, but it Diggs. happens. I mean, I'm telling you, that matchup against Diggs is tough for any corner. I don't care who it is, and he's shown it many, many times over. Uh, the first half went the way Buffalo wanted to go, slow and methodical, short passing, trying to get James Cook open in the backfield, trying to get that offense to open up any lane if they could, which was difficult because Buffalo's offensive line is garbage. But Josh Allen made smart plays because smart plays were being called in the first half of that game. They still ended up only being up 13-3 at halftime. I feel like there was missed opportunities, and there were. But still, the game plan was going. Second half changes everything. The defense changes. They start playing nickel. They start shutting off the deep routes. They start uh, focusing in on Josh. That front four, man, I'm telling you, like I've mentioned it on the show before, if you have an elite front four, you can dominate games. And that front four of New York is fucking tough. They were in Josh's grill all night long. That uh, Spencer Brown... Our right tackle, who basically has no – he has no business being in the Canadian Football League, let alone being a starting – This is why right you want tackle. to get Lyle Collins on the phone. I mean, holy shit, this is why we get Lyle Collins on, on the phone. Exactly. Uh, he was getting uh, burned all night long. Josh – he actually one play got pushed into Josh Allen to cause a sack. That's pretty bad. But the game plan went out the window for some reason. Ken Dorsey does this thing, kind of like Brian Dable did, where he tries to get super cutesy with the play calls. Josh was uncomfortable the entire second half. And uncomfortable two ways. One, he had defensive pressure all second half long, and a lot of the first half as well, actually. The guy got sacked like six times that game. Uh, and then, of course, the three turnovers, actually four. Let's make it four because he had the fumble. And let's make it five because I'm going to go Nick Wright fire on, on Josh okay. Allen. Josh Allen fumbled that first half that was returned for a touchdown and called back. Bullshit. Buffalo got away with one. His knee was not touched in the ground. Josh Allen technically committed five turnovers in one game that shit has got to get cleaned up but at this point in time in my life and fan is a buffalo bill in my time seeing josh allen play i don't think that the turnovers are gonna they're not gonna magically stop what we this have was though, Romo's problem by the way the what this was romo's problem Tony romo. And romo did have a turnover problem he you have these games where if you want to go back, talk uh, Tony Romo. Tony Romo had games where he looked absolutely phenomenal. He was the resurrection of Troy Aikman. But then you would have these games where he would just force everything and try to make plays happen where plays he would extend have plays and turn the ball over, trying to extend plays. And here's what Josh was doing. There was actually a play. I can't remember. I believe it was in the third quarter. Josh threw the interception in the end zone. Right. He was trying to force the pass to Diggs. Well, I'm going to go back into your Dallas Cowboys well because I heard an interesting interview with Michael Irvin. 
Michael Urban went on his show and said, hey, man, these guys have got to stop babying fucking Josh Allen. Stop going on national television. Stop going on national television. Going up there, patting him on the back of the head. Oh, you'll get him next time, Josh. You'll get him next time, Josh. (laughs) The little little laughing shit, the little handshake shit. And he also mentioned the offseason shit with Diggs, right? Well, now what they're doing is forcing the ball to Diggs. So maybe it's still kind of a thing where in Josh's head, he's like, oh, shit, I got to keep Diggs happy, so I'm a forcing the ball. Well, a lot of these turnovers were happening when he was trying to force the ball to Diggs. Mike Lurvin said this, if I screwed up a play, you know who was in my face in the huddle? Troy Aikman. So Troy Aikman never let me get away with shit. Troy Aikman, come on and tell me, Michael, shape the fuck up and go catch the ball. And you know what I said to my quarterback? Yes, sir, I got you next play. He never had to go to Troy and be like, no, Troy, give me the ball, give me the ball. Because if the de- design play was not for me, Troy wasn't going to give me the ball. He gave me the ball when I deserved it. And he said they're babying these players in Buffalo, and it's causing a problem in the locker room. And you can kind of sort of see where he's coming from with that. Anyway, speaking of the game, Las Vegas Raiders, they get a big win in week one. Surprise the world. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo goes out there and does Jimmy Garoppolo things, man. He's just efficient with the football. He doesn't cause a lot of turnovers. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's not flashy, but he gets the job done. He got the job done in week one. But week two is a different animal. I still believe that the Buffalo Bills are a top five offense in this league. They just didn't get to show it because they were dominated by a huge pass rush and an elite defense from the New York Jets. I think that Buffalo comes home. They get a little bit of breather, a little refresher. They get the Las Vegas Raiders. They come in home and they get a win. I like the points. I'm taking the Bills. Do you think that Josh Allen himself was struggling with a little bit of the I didn't get a lot of reps in preseason, and so I'm a little cold? 100%. The the Bills did bring in uh, quite a few new wide receivers to replace other wide receivers. And And and, running backs. And and running backs, too. Damian Harris is brand new. Latavius Murray is brand new. James Cook, by the way, is officially the RB1. He wasn't taking RB1 snaps last year. Devin Singletary was. It's a different look. And Josh only played like a total of maybe two quarters the entire preseason. Maybe three. I can't remember. Somewhere around there, two to three quarters. But when you're a guy who struggles with efficiency and accuracy, I believe preseason is very important for you to get out there and play. Even if you're just playing against second, third, and fourth string defenses, because you need some of that to like help you build that confidence. Josh did not go into this game looking super confident, and I don't think that the offense felt very confident with Josh. I think this is an enormous game for the for the Vegas Raiders because if they show up and they get punched in the mouth and they get mowed over early and this looks like, you know, Pittsburgh Niners week one, there's going to be a lot of the narrative of same old Raiders, nothing's changed, and uh, they they just can't have that. That can happen. If It would not surprise me at all if, you know, you see 14 nothing, 17 nothing with three minutes left in the first quarter, and they're just, you know, Jimmy G's just fucking running to a bunch of three and outs. 
But I think Vegas is going to stick around. I like the Bills to win. I think Vegas covers. I don't think the Raiders are ever going to have the Bills in any real trouble. But I think this is going to be one of those three to seven point games the entire game. And then we get, you know, two, three minutes left in the game. And we're just going, all right, Bill, let's just fucking run the clock out here. Or maybe a little sneaky backdoor cover where Vegas, you know, Vegas is down 10. Vegas is down 13. You know, you get touched down late. So, you know, six-point win for Buffalo, seven-point win for Buffalo, but they, but Ra- Raiders cover. So, I, I like Vegas to cover. I like the Bills to win. And, Jess, I think the Josh Allen narrative is one of the most popular and most talked-about narratives going into this season. And, you know, again, there's going to be four or five quarterbacks that I'm going to have my own spotlight on, <laughs> my own magnifying glass, and Josh is going to be one of them. All right, let's hop to these one o'clock games here. Let we we're running long. We're running long here, Jess. You know how yeah. we do it NFL season. Let's try and rifle through some of these one o'clock games. Two shitty teams. One's got to win. The Giants are on the road. They're a six point. Favorite, I see five and a half. Let's keep it five and a half, Jess. They're traveling to Arizona. This is East traveling West, so that six might like a little look a little big. They just scored zero points, uh, <laughs> and all I can think about by watching this goddamn Giants game is y'all really paid Daniel Jones all that motherfucking money, didn't you? I was just cackling, <laughs> laying in my hotel bed with a bag of candy. Just having the fucking time of my life. Uh, so thank you, Giants. Uh, Jess, who you got? Uh, I'm going to take the Giants in this game. I think the Cardinals just don't have enough of anything. The defense looked well, not great. Period. Uh, the, the offense looked very poor outside of maybe James Conner. Uh, I'm taking the Giants, but I won't take the points. I think it'll be like a three-point win. Yeah, I agree with you. Giants win, Arizona covers. This is a three or four point win on the road. This is going to be one of those like 17, 13 wins where the Giants only score like 17 points. And then we'll have a lot of the Giants have only scored 17 points in two weeks narratives. Uh, next, <laughs> next ugly game. Nobody cares. The Washington, I'm ready to call them Nationals again. They are the commanders. They are traveling to Denver. Denver is a three and a half point favorite across the board. Uh, real dogfight against the Raiders. They came up on the wrong end. Jess, who you got? Uh, I'm going to take Denver at home. Again, flying to mile high is tough. Uh, I don't see this game being anything more than like a 17-13 ball game. Uh, I, I think that with that being said, Denver will cover by a bit. But, uh, yeah, there you go. Denver, Denver gets the win and they cover by a bit. Uh, here's another for looking for the third leg of the parlay. I like Washington here with a sneaky upset. I like Washington by three or four points here. I think it's a little sneaky Rivera, uh, 20 to 25 carries on the ground. Bowling shoe ugly. Washington upset. And Denver will be 0-2. I'm going to have Denver at 0-2 and, and Kansas City at 0-2 going into the beginning of the season. That's wild. Uh, surprising to me that the Miami Dolphins are a two-and-a-half-point favorite across the board. They are traveling to New England. 
If you want to give me the AFC East, Belichick spiel, I get it. But, man, Miami looked good last week. Jess, who you got? Miami looked amazing last week. Jalen Waddle didn't even have to really get involved. Uh, Tyreek Hill over 200 Just yards. Two, 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 two almost 500 yards. Like, as long as – hey, we've said it before. As long as Tua can stay healthy and on the field, this team is going to be dangerous because this this whole offense was made for Tua to run. And when he's healthy, he's on. Like, the, I mean, the, the Dolphins are going to average 30 points a game this season easy. Uh, I I don't see New England keeping up in that rat race, man. Like, mm-hmm. it's gonna be it's gonna be a flash race, and I just New England don't have the firepower to do it. I, I got the Dolphins on the road, and man, two and a half points seems super damn low. Uh, I, I'm I'm take I'm take I'm take you put nine points, man. I I give Miami the nine. Yeah, uh, yeah. Two I mean, and a half is dumb low. That's, this, that's this crazy, is, dude. It is Wednesday. This line has to move in the next three days to like a three or a three and a half. There's I mean, at be, least there's got to but... be a lot of good shark money coming in on Miami. Uh, uh, echo your statements here. New England's going to keep it close because of their defense and because they're going to run the ball a shit ton. And they're going fucking shout out my boy Zeke, the freaking uh, like 17 touches last week. Stevenson's going to get 17 touches. Someone else will get fucking five touches. They're going to try. <laughs> they're going to try and run that Belichick 1980 style fucking Bill Parcells football. And and real Miami. quick also, Mac Jones did not play a terrible game last week against the Eagles. No, and listen, and when they when he doesn't turn the ball over, they're going to keep them in games, but if at some point the defense is going to crack and my and Tyreek Hill is going to get open and they're going to score more than 20 points and the two and a half feels low to me. I love Miami. I love the points. Miami's one of the only teams in the league that can beat you squarely on slant. slant I'm, just, I'm just realizing right now, and I don't know what the fuck's going on here, so there's two Monday night games on the 18th, so I'm going to come back around here. All right. All right. San Francisco 49ers are an eight to an eight and a half point favorite. Let's get the traveling to L.A., a.k.a. Niners uh, East. Niners South, uh, <laughs> San Francisco South. Uh, who you got? Uh, I got San Francisco. Brock Purdy looked, he looked really good. I don't think we're ever going to say Brock Purdy looked amazing, but he's gonna, he looks really good. He's, he's Jimmy, Jimmy G Jr., basically. Like, he's very efficient with the football. Uh, he can scramble a little <laughs> bit if he has to, but man, the weapons around this kid, all, all he has to do is just deliver the ball accurately, and the 49ers are going to win a lot of games this season. On top of that, their defense is just fucking ferocious. Uh, the Rams. The, they somehow they got away with this win and they they made the rookie wide receiver look super good. Matt Stafford looks fresh, but that was against the Seattle Seahawks, not against San Francisco 49ers. Give me the Niners, give me the points. Yeah, I agree with um, all those statements, echo them all. Uh, Niners defense looked elite and both had played uh, below mid par. I'm just getting my legs back up under me. Let me get like 18 snaps type of game. Uh, love the Niners. Uh, again, it's a Shanahan coach offense. They're, they are well oiled. They will score a lot of points and they will give the Rams fits. Give me the points. Give me the Niners. All right. Uh, so we did this game. We did this game. All right. So there's three games left. We'll do this one. The the New York Jets. They're Aaron Rodgers less. They're a nine and a half point dog. Jess. They are traveling to Dallas. They're taking on my Dallas Cowboys, Jess. Who you got? The world knows 
that the, the Buffalo Bills should have ended up winning that game like 30 to 6 and somehow they lose that game. I don't know what happened. I mean, I do cuz I just talked about it. But yeah. the Jets without Aaron Rodgers are just the same the, Jets as last they're year. They're the same Jets as last year. Except now they have Alan Lazard, who wasn't a very good uh, wide receiver in Green Bay, except that he was getting passed to by Aaron Rodgers, who made him look better. Uh, it's a shame that Aaron Rodgers went out like that. And I'm going to go on a limb and say that this is possibly a career-ending injury. Uh, Aaron Rodgers will be 40 years old soon, which means by the time he comes back from the injury, if he chooses to do so, he'll be 41. At 41 years of age, how much better can Aaron Rodgers possibly be? Uh, Aaron Rodgers was running for his life, obviously, in this game. He had a total of like seven plays. He was on the field for something like 70 seconds. He went 0 for 1 and then had the Achilles injury happen on one of those plays, uh, the last play of his of, of his season in New York. Um, it sounds really bad. Achilles injuries are terrible to come back from. Go back to Kobe Bryant. Uh, Kobe was never the same after his Achilles. Uh, Kevin Durant uh, has taken him years to get back into form since his Achilles. It's a tough thing to come back from. And when you're 39 going into yeah. 40 years old, That's it is a job. bitch. You don't heal the same way as a 40-year-old as you do a 20-year-old. No, you do not. Gap, let me tell you. Zach Wilson with the Jets um, are not – he's he's not even that efficient of a quarterback. He's he's barely a one-read guy. Uh, the running backs, Cook and uh, Brees Hall, are going to have to keep the offense in games. Um, the defense is what's really going to keep teams in check. It's going to be hard to score against them, but come the later rounds, third, third quarter, fourth quarter, that defense is going to get tired of being on the field. That's when teams are going to take over. Dallas looked absolutely amazing last week. Obviously, Jay, you touched on that. Beat the Giants 40 to zip, 40, 40 to nil. If you want to talk soccer, the 40 nil. And the, the Dallas Cowboys defense, you want to talk, it looked elite. They looked elite. That defense flew all over the field. Micah Parsons is an absolute animal. That front four is an absolute animal. The secondary are animals. That defense is going to win a lot of games this year for the Dallas Cowboys. And to prove my point, Dak Prescott only had to pass for like 140 yards, and they still won 40-0. to zero. So these are the if this is what we have to look forward to for the Dallas Cowboys for the next 16 games, it's going to be a lot of wins under under the Dallas Cowboys belts. I'm taking the uh, Cowboys at home in Jerryland, and damn, that nine almost seems low. You know, I want to argue the nine because I I think maybe there's a scenario where the Jets just keep this a low scoring game and they're able to score you know a few points. And maybe they lose like 17-10 or maybe they lose like 17-13. But I them getting to 13 is, is where it's tough because it it wouldn't surprise me if their offense created more scores for Dallas's defense than it did their own offense. So I'm you know, I mean it's it's easy to say right now that defense looks unbelievable. I think there was a little bit, you know, if you to do a quick word salad on it. I think there was a combination of, as I mentioned earlier, the Giants are they they outperformed themselves last year, 
and this year they just got punched in the mouth. A combination of Daniel Jones just looked lost out there, which was weird, but maybe it was a scenario where he went down early. They weren't able to run the offense that they liked and they, they had to score quickly and they just, it just never happened. They just, they never got out of the blocks and Dallas just kept fucking hitting them with that, that fucking, uh, that Volkov right hand that I was talking about (laughs) earlier. Um, But I, I'm, I like Dallas and I like the points. I'm a little hesitant because nine and a half is just so large and it's so early in the year that maybe they have that game where Dak just doesn't get off and, and they they only score 17, so it's like a low-scoring game. But I think the Jets are going to have those same problems they had last year without Aaron Rodgers. I think they're going to have a real difficult time scoring large amounts of points. And maybe their running game gets them a touchdown here and a touchdown there, and maybe they can really hammer Dallas with like 30 or 35 carries between those two studs. But uh, I I like Dallas and, and I'm taking the points here. I'm, I'm a little hesitant, but but I like Dallas and I like the points. Jeffs, Pes- pes- pessimistic Jay back in the building. You know when it comes to the Cowboys, if I'm not, <laughs> I'm not on brand. We've got two games left. They're two weird Monday night games. Jess, let's quickly shuffle through. Yes. New Orleans, they're on the road. They're taking on Carolina. There are three across the board. Who you got? Uh, I, I like, I like New Orleans. I'll take the points, but not by much. I mean, this is like a six point game. The, the Derek Carr did Derek Carr didn't look great in his, his, uh, debut with the saints, but he didn't look bad. Uh, I think the saints will get better. The more snaps, the uh, car gets uh, in, in live action on the field. And he gets used to the flow of the game, uh, from the saints offensive perspective. I think things will get better for him. And nothing better than going up against a rookie starting quarterback uh, who has absolutely nothing around him and Carolina Panthers. They're just basically a very terrible football team right now because they don't have talent anywhere on that team. They just don't. Uh, I'm going to go Saints. I'll take the points. Uh, Yeah, Saints Saints and the points. This might be first of 20 wins. Uh, I like the Saints. (laughs) I like the points. Uh, and we'll leave it at that. The last game, the Cincinnati, I'm sorry, God, Cincinnati, the Cleveland Browns, they're playing the five o'clock game. Uh, they're taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. These real Jekyll and Hyde's here with these two teams. Which Browns are we getting, and which Steelers are we getting? Jess, who you got? Uh, you know what? I, I don't think that it's really much of an upset, but I'm going to go with Pittsburgh at home. I, I think that Mike, ah. I think Mike Tomlin will clean up a lot of what happened last week. And uh, I mean, when you take on probably the top defense in the league and, and maybe one of the, the, the best defenses we've seen since like, you know, that, that what that Oh seven Ravens squad or whatever it was. I mean, this defense has juice all over the field. Now you come into Cleveland, and yes, their defense was very active against Cincinnati. That front four did a lot to dominate. But again, the Bengals have very nothing for offensive line. We've seen it with Joe Burrow for the last couple of years. That's why he keeps getting banged up. Uh, Pittsburgh has a decent offensive line. They've got two to three running back options. They've got two to three wide receiver options. And I still believe that Kenny Pickett can be at least a decent game managing quarterback. And he uses his legs to scramble out of trouble. I'm going to go Pittsburgh at home 
And the two and a half, yeah, man, I like those. I like Pittsburgh at home. I'm flipping on you. I like Cleveland by three or four here. Uh, I think that I got what Pickett is their quarterback. Yeah. I think I think he uh, might be a little better than. I'm sorry. I think he might be a little worse than advertised. Um, from the from again, listen to the game. Didn't watch it, but from listening to the game. It sounded to me like he really struggled with his accuracy, which is a problem because it's one thing if defenses are just breaking on balls and and just making great plays. And I know the Niners did some of that too, but it's another when you're just your your accuracy is an issue. And I and he turned the ball over a few times. And I don't and didn't they lose the receiver as well? Uh, I don't. I don't remember hearing them. Uh, oh yeah, Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson did leave that I don't, game. Yeah, I don't know. No, I think. Yeah, and I don't know if he's playing next week. So, echo my Lamar take from earlier. I think at some point here, it's going to be 13, 13, 13, 10 the entire game, and at some point with about five minutes left in this game, Watson's going to say "fuck this" and tuck that ball and make plays and find a way to get the winning score. I like Cleveland. I like the points, and once again, to stay on brand, I think Tomlin's going to have a losing season, and he's going to start out the gates 0-2. Mike, Mike, if, if you have a losing season, we would love to have you in Buffalo next year. I'm just saying. Oh, we'd love okay. to have Mike Tomlin. That's ready to fire everybody, so it's good. Jess, we've, we've reached the end. We've made it. Hit the wrap <laughs> of the button. Folks, I'm going to leave shout-outs alone today, except for Variety Sports Network on Twitter. Find them on Variety underscore sports underscore. You can also go find them on YouTube and listen to all the live podcasts from Variety Sports Network, their YouTube channel. So please go and subscribe to that and then like them on uh, Twitter. You can also follow Jason at Valdez, spelled backwards, 559. You can follow me at JTT81 and follow our podcast, That Other Sports Show, on Twitter at TeamToss21. And you can also find us again on Spotify. You can find us on Apple. You can find us on Google Podcasts. And you can also follow us through the podcaster Spotify network. Folks, that's it for us. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the takes. Make some money. Peace, guys.